Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, where we teach Christian entrepreneurs how to build a strong foundation of faith, growth, and skill to lead and thrive on purpose in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, certified coaches, Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. And this is not just another episode. This is episode 10. We made it to 10. And okay, like it might seem like no big deal. I mean, there's podcasters out there who have 500. But for us, it's pretty cool because we're just starting out. And 10 is a double digit. So we went from single digit to double digit. And I feel excited about that. How about you, Liz? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to think I had too much coffee. (laughs) But anyway, today we're going to talk about the nine types of intelligences. And this is part of knowing yourself. I mean, it's obviously into the personal growth area, the personal growth lane. And there are some major benefits about knowing these nine types of intelligences, as you'll see as we go during the episode. But some of the benefits are, for example, you'll get a deeper level of connection with others. Because when you know yourself better, you're able to verbalize yourself better. So others get to know you better, and therefore it really helps the relationships. Um, It's going to help you to meet your needs better. When you know yourself better, again... You know your likes, you know your dislikes, you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses. Therefore, you're able to meet your own needs in a better way. And also, ask people in if you're married, and you ask your spouse or people that you're working with to meet those needs in a better way and verbalize it in a better way and communicate in a better way. Absolutely. And um, that's a, a very good point that you mentioned about Um, meeting each other's needs in a relationship because this is really important if you don't know yourself then how could you express what you need in a relationship if you don't know what what makes you happy what makes you unhappy all the different you know things that that a person goes through a lot of people I've seen a lot of couples uh, go through years and years and years of not knowing each other Hmm. like I'll ask a a person a question about another person let's say i'll ask the husband a question about his wife or vice versa and they have no freaking clue yeah and they'll always go back to the same fights right always same fights. and they'll be they'll have been together in this you know um routine kind of life for like 10 years not really knowing each other yeah and it's sad because if you really know yourself and you you get to know the other person then it it becomes a beautiful relationship, which is so much deeper and built on something really strong. Yeah, and I, I don't want to give some uh, advice here for young couples listening to us. Uh, our pastor, uh, when he gave us uh, premarital counseling, he said for the first year of marriage, you guys should not have a TV in the home, or if you do, almost not watch it, okay? Avoid it like the plague. And he said, here's why. Because the time you spend in front of the TV, you're not spending getting to know your spouse. And that first year is crucial when you really get to know each other in the nitty gritty and the routine and the likes and dislikes and all that. If you're less distracted, and today, like you got, like back in the day, we didn't have iPhones, we didn't have, we, the internet was starting, of course, but we didn't, like, it wasn't as big as today. So it wasn't as uh, distracting as today. 
So all these electronic gadgets can really play havoc on our relationships. I'm just saying that, just a little parenthesis here. Absolutely. So another benefit of knowing yourself is reaching your full potential. Obviously, right, yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. So as you grow into self-knowledge, um, and you can even say self-mastery in, in, some, in some ways because you become a master at the school of yourself, basically, um, you will be able to reach your full potential. How, I mean, how can you possibly reach your full potential if you don't know yourself? Like I said before, uh, your strengths, your weaknesses, your likes, your dislikes, your, uh, your potential, everything about you that makes you you, that will enable you to flourish has to do with your self-knowledge. So if you don't know yourself, well, you're pretty much handicapped in that area. Exactly. And also, I think uh, an, uh, an important point is, um, you know, the nine types of intelligences. When you when you discover these intelligences, you realize that God really did, you know, make people very, very different. And mm. we all have uh, different strengths and um, different things to bring to society, right, to make the world go around. Yeah. So um, this will help you see people in a different way. In a different light, yeah. Exactly. So I I don't know if uh, any of you have felt like I have felt. Um, sometimes I've been in social gatherings and I felt like the dumbest person in the room. Um, you know, we're all talking uh, with with people, and depending, depending on the conversation, right? I mean, obviously, if they talk about something you're really comfortable with that you really know, you feel like one of the smartest people. But if they're talking about a lane that you really like has nothing to do with who you are, then you feel really stupid. I know I have. I mean, I have like, uh, depending, I, I don't have anything off the top of my head because because I'm really, really smart. <laughs> <laughs> but, sure. But, <laughs> but I know I've been in those situations and I know everybody has. I mean, it's, it's happened to everybody. Even the smartest people I know have found themselves in, in discussion areas where they just weren't comfortable because that wasn't their strength, right? Well, it's actually funny because our kids oftentimes will ask us, who's the smartest? Is it mommy or is it daddy? We have young kids. We have three kids. And of One... course, it's it's always me. <laughs> sure. And then I laugh. <laughs> so, so, you know, I have a three-year-old. We Well, we both have a, a three-year-old, Caitlin, a six-year-old, Marissa, and Jason is nine. And so they're always questioning and wanting to... To figure out stuff, right? And one of the the key things is who's smartest, mommy, mommy or daddy, because they see us as inter- entrepreneurs talking about a lot of topics, and we're very knowledgeable. And they're starting to see that we're knowledgeable, but in different areas. So we always tell them it depends on the area that we're discussing. Yeah. Because we've learned without knowing before we even knew that nine types of intelligences existed. We could kind of decipher, hey, you know, Sebastian's really, really strong in this and theology and, you know, has a really good grasp on uh, different topics and he's smart in this and he studies in that. And, and when and it moms, comes to health and wellness or and mom's other smarter areas, in, uh, I mean, mom's definitely smarter there. In the, yeah, psychology, emotional IQ and emotional EQ and different things like that and health, like he mentioned. So... So Jason comes to see me when he's hurt and <laughs> and Jason will come to see daddy when he wants to know something about the animals Bible or... and Bible. Or... <laughs> That's so... funny. I mean, and, and Jason, our nine-year-old, it was funny this morning because he said, 
So what episodes are you gonna are you guys gonna tape today? I said it's episode ten. He says really ten. Wow. And then he said, um, so what are you guys gonna talk about? We're gonna talk about the nine types of intelligences. He said really that many. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So to get back to to our topic, probably you felt you know inadequate uh you know maybe you weren't cultured enough when you were you know discussing different topics at around the table maybe around christmas time or maybe uh, in a you know office occasion where you're talking about all kinds of different things and interests and you just feel like you have to run home and read like 10 different books on marketing or on whatever topic they're discussing because you feel like you don't know enough about that topic right unless you're really really secure with yourself <laughs> <laughs> which most of us are really good at right like as human beings we're very secure and independent and strong <laughs> right <laughs> so by understanding how the nine intelligences work this will enable you to understand your intellectual strengths better and to leverage them so basically you're smarter than you think isn't that good news <laughs> but the other good news is that Other people is not as dumb as you think also. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's kind of funny, but, you know, human nature is a certain way and we do tend to judge, even if we're Christians and we're not supposed to judge, we do kind of, you know... Those who don't have the same intelligence area or the same intelligences as yeah. us, we see as dumb. Often, like, that's the reflex, a knee-jerk reaction, I guess you would say, right? Yeah, so... But, and it's and it, wrong, because it's not necessarily the case. Yeah, and you'll see in the nine types of intelligences, there's, you know, variety, like there's, there's degrees, right? There are some people that are very, very strong in a certain intelligent, uh, intelligence, and if it's really an intelligence that you know nothing about and you don't understand at all, you're going to feel completely different from that person. Like, you're going to yeah. feel like this person lives on another planet, right? Yeah. So this is why understanding this can help you to not judge people as much because then you'll kind of see it differently. Yeah, you and won't judge yourself and you're not going to judge others as the same way either. Exactly, because you'll understand their, their areas of strength and you'll respect that. Mm. So where it is really interesting for me um, is when you're trying to build an effective team. So when it comes to team building, a lot of you are in different businesses that you have teams, you have people working with you, or maybe you're trying to build a team uh, in network marketing or another profession. And this is really important to understand these intelligences because then you can really maximize the, effici the efficiency of your team. Yeah. So you can use those different intelligences and, you know, really... Put the people, the uh, right the people, people in the right place, in the right function or the right uh, role on your team. Exactly. So that will help you to uh, put their strengths into action and that way your, your team will become way stronger, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So Sebastian, can you tell us a little more about the book, The Theory of Multiple Intelligences by Howard Gardner? Yeah, well, so Howard Gardner is the... Uh, the professor, the doctor, who wrote the book, Frames of Mind, The Theory of Multiple Intelligences. He wrote that book in 1983, so it's nothing new. Uh, most of you might not have heard about the nine types of intelligences, but it still was written back in 1983. But when it came out, it revolutionized the field of 
quantitative intelligence or more commonly known as IQ. So uh, there's a quote uh, that Gardner said. Here's a, here's a quote. According to Gardner, while we may continue to use the words smart and stupid, and while IQ tests may persist for certain purposes, the monopoly of those who believe in a single general intelligence has come to an end. Brain scientists and geneticists are documenting the incredible differentiation of human capacities. Computer programmers are creating systems that are intelligent in different ways, and educators are freshly acknowledging that their students have distinctive strengths and weaknesses. So it's with that premise that Garner came up with, initially was eight uh, in the book, types of intelligences. He also mentions two more in the book. So, and, and those of those two more, there's one that kind of made its way more into official territory and the other one kind of stayed back. So that's why we boiled it down to nine types of intelligences. The problem that we have today is that, well, not just today, but for years and years, when you went to school, you had basically two main lanes of knowledge, right? And the two main lanes were languages and mathematics. And those were the two main lanes where people were uh, tested and scored on. And that kind of made schooling very painful for many people. Because um, for some people, their, their, main, their main intelligence just wasn't in one of those two lanes. So there's a, a little picture that I have here in front of me. It's a caricature. You have a, a professor that's at his desk. And he says, for a fair selection, everybody has to take the same exam. And in front of that professor, there's a robin, there's a monkey, there's a penguin, there's an elephant, there's a fish, there's a seal, and there's a wolf. And he says, so you all have to take the same exam. Please climb that tree. Good luck. And <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> My money's on the monkey, by the way. But here's the thing. Our schools are no different from that. Although it's a caricature, unfortunately, that's basically how our education system has been working for so long without taking into account the different types of intelligences. So that's why you have so many students who end up quitting on school altogether or saying, you know what, school is just not for me because maybe they have, hey, kinetic intelligence, you know, bodily, what we call bodily, and we're going to get into that later. But like for, for, the, for the sake of illustration, in those animals there, you know, there's a monkey, a penguin, a bird, a, uh, an elephant. Which one is going to be good at the test of climbing the tree? Obviously, it's going to be the monkey, right? But if it was like, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, smash the, the tree, well, the elephant would, would win that, right? So it's everybody has different strengths. And although we're all human beings and we all have a brain and we're all made similarly the same on the outside and on the inside, the soul and our intelligences and how God has framed us is so varied. And that's the beauty of, of mankind, basically, is that we have all these different gifts and abilities and talents and intelligences and it makes for a really nice symphony but if we try to get everybody to play the same tune we're gonna have a big mess yeah and that's why there's so many problems in schools with uh, 
different kids uh, that have different types of intelligences because they just don't know how to teach them in a way that they can understand because they can't adapt. So that's what they, he was explaining in this theory is that, you know, he doesn't want everybody to change a whole program academically, but there is a flaw there because it is concentrated on linguistic intelligence and, and logical mathematical intelligence and yeah. there's you know the other intelligences that are neglected there you go so and you we'll might have a musical genius who fails as a result because he just well not fails but he might be struggling all throughout schooling you know? yeah and that's why you hear stories of entrepreneurs you know some of them quit school some of them uh you know did their schooling but had very very poor results in a certain top in a certain area and very very high scores in another area so that's where we we see all of that come to life right so can you tell us a little bit more about the linguistic intelligence yeah we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna dive right into it because we have nine to cover and uh we're already pretty far off in the podcast so let's just get down to it and cover the nine we're just gonna go one two three four five up to nine and give you all the juicy stuff about each typical intelligence. So, so the first one is linguistic intelligence, also known as word smart. Linguistic intelligence is the ability to think in words and to use language to express and appreciate complex meanings. So linguistic intelligence allows us to understand the order and meaning of words and to apply meta-linguistic skills to reflect on our use of language. So linguistic intelligence is the most widely shared human competence and is evident in poets, novelists, journalists, and effective public speakers. So people with this kind of intelligence enjoy writing, reading, telling stories, and you've probably met a few who like doing crossword puzzles. Exactly. So I'm just going to give you a few characteristics of linguistic intelligence so that you can identify them. So perhaps you enjoy writing. Perhaps you are good at editing. Uh, maybe you're an avid reader. You use fancy words. You enjoy word games. Speak. Uh, maybe you love to speak about what you read. Uh, maybe you remember quotes, likes, puns, and rhythms. Uh, enjoy foreign languages, love English class. Yeah, Those so, are just examples. so these are all yeah, these are all examples. And there's also uh, possible careers for the high linguistic intelligence. Could you tell us about those, Liz? Yeah. So um, a few mentioned here are copywriter, court reporter, editor, uh, journalist, lecturer, broadcaster, newscaster, speech pathologist, teacher, translator, interpreter, and writer. Yeah, these are just examples. And of course, we're talking to entrepreneurs. So don't take these careers as like, oh, I got to go in the career path now. I, I got to stop this entrepreneur stuff. <laughs> That's not what we're saying. We're just giving you the lanes of application of this intelligence by giving you the career paths, the possible career paths. And we think it really enlightens when we, we go into the characteristics and the possible careers to really pinpoint more uh, vividly the image of okay yeah I know I think I know a person like that or I know myself I'm like that so for, for example the linguistic intelligence I recognize myself uh, quite a bit in that one so the number two is the logical mathematical intelligence so you see we cover the first two which are which are the the first the two lanes that are mostly used in our pu uh, public education system right 
the linguistics and the math. So number two is logical mathematical intelligence, which is also known as number or reasoning smart. So logical intelligence is the ability to calculate, quantify, consider propositions and hypotheses, and carry out complete mathematical operations. It enables us to perceive relationships and connections and to use abstract symbolic thought, thought sequential reasoning skills, and inductive and deductive thinking patterns. Logical intelligence is usually well-developed in mathematicians, scientists, and detectives. Young adults with lots of logical intelligence are usually interested in patterns, categories, and relationships. They're drawn to arithmetic, arithmetic problems, strategy games, and experiments. Exactly. And a few characteristics of logical intelligence would be um, rational, objective, uh, good at strategy games, maybe like numbers, you seek precision, grasp complex data, factual, logical, good at math, appreciate science. I actually uh, went to school with um, a person that was uh, that had a very, very strong a sense of logical mathematical intelligence and you know there's it was, different... it was the life of the party by the way <laughs> there's different degrees that's what i was telling my <laughs> husband you know some of you are like oh i'm really good at math but this might not be you know there's there's different percentages of you can be a combination of two you, oh and the, and the resources we're going to recommend a test also people can can go to a page where they can do the test exactly their, their because yeah. you can be a combination of two three of them some are what we call mathematical geniuses, right? So they are like really uh, a very, very high percentage in this category. And oftentimes these people are really, really good with numbers, but they're a little more dry in nature of personality. And that's what I was telling him. We're kind of laughing about it because in high school, they, I sucked at math. I, was, I wasn't very good at math. And um, they put me with this guy that was really, really good in math to explain a few things. And um, I was just trying to have a conversation with him before we started the, the tutoring. And he was so dry, like he couldn't make one joke. It was like really funny. So when it I read been, this... It must have been you're making me uncomfortable. Let's just get back to the numbers now. <laughs> <laughs> like, but you know, he was so smart when it came to, to mathematical intelligence. The guy probably became an architect or something. <laughs> so... Uh, speaking of uh, careers, could you go down the list of careers for logical yeah, intelligence? Yeah, so some are accountants, computer programmers, engineers, financial planner, lawyer, attorney, mathematician, medical doctor, yeah. uh, military officer, scientist, technical writer. Um, so the, those are just a few. Like we, we just took a few from the resources we had, but there are more than that, obviously. Yeah, those are like, we're giving you the broad view, but uh, of course you can narrow it down more and, and on your own time and your own research, because this is really a fascinating uh, subject to delve in. Uh, maybe not for everybody, but we think the information is valuable for everybody. So, number three. The number three intelligence is spatial intelligence, also known as picture smart. Spatial intelligence is the ability to think in three dimensions. Core capacities include mental imagery, spatial reasoning, image manipulation, graphic and artistic skills, and an active imagination. Sailors, pilots, sculptors, painters, and architects all exhibit spatial intelligence. 
young adults with this kind of intelligence may be fascinated with mazes or jigsaw puzzles or spend free time drawing or daydreaming. So a few characteristics of people that have visual intelligence, uh, they notice colors and shapes. They can visualize anything. They enjoy geometry. They love to draw and paint. They enjoy photography. They appreciate books with pictures. They are good with directions. They remember places vividly and they are good at artistic composition. So what are the possible careers of high visual intelligence? Well, architect, art director, artist, computer animator, fashion designer, graphic designer, interior decorator, photographer, video editor, and web designer. All right. And now for number four, Bodily kinesthetic intelligence, also known as body smart. Bodily kinesthetic intelligence is the capacity to manipulate objects and use a variety of physical skills. This intelligence also involves a sense of timing and the perfection of skills through mind and body union. Athletes, dancers, surgeons, and craftspeople exhibit well-developed bodily kinesthetic intelligence. Absolutely. And um, also, I want to mention um, here when we talk about this specific intelligence, a lot of people that have ADHD, whether adult or children, um, oftentimes are really, really good. Kinesthetic learners. Kinet yeah, exactly. So our son has um, ADHD, mm. and we learned very early on when he was in school Actually, before that, even in preschool, um, one of the the instructors, one of the the people working with him, said, um, "Your son is has ADHD, but he he learns very well by touching, by uh, learning as he goes, by yeah. by experiencing what he's learning at the same time." So a lot of these kids learn well by touching things. By they're very sportive, they're very, very active, they're very physical, and that is why we realized. Um, as we were teaching him, that oftentimes visual, visual explanations or him doing the action to understand what it is that we were trying to teach him. And now it's really cool with um, social media, with uh, the internet, that we're able to show them. So sometimes he'll ask me, how do, how do we do a certain thing? I don't understand what you mean by blah, blah, blah then I, I can actually look for a tutorial or something on YouTube to show him exactly what I'm talking about. And then he gets it. He's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, um, and, he, and he also has a lot of energy. Exactly. Kinesthetic learners are very high-energy people. Um, like we mentioned in the list, athletes and dancers. These are high-energy people, usually. Yeah. And uh, when they have that much level of energy, sitting down on a school bench for many hours at a time to listen, that is not their bent. That's not how, like, they're not going to be comfortable with that. So what they've remarked, just as a parenthesis here, uh, with um, kids with ADHD, is that they're basically just high-energy kids, and you just send them out running and playing hard, and then you sit them down, you're going to see. They're going to sit down the other students and listen. That's mostly, most of the time, that's what uh, helps them out. Yeah, and so more out. and more schools are adapting to understanding this way of learning 
that some of the kids actually need to, you know, have special benches where they kind of move at the same time as they learn. Some of them have these balls where they... they fidget spinners. Yeah, fidget spinners and like squishy balls squishy that balls. they need to squish while they're listening to the teacher. So the same thing applies for a lot of adults. And that's why I want to mention this because um, I do uh, research and I do uh, listen to a lot of the ADHD um, uh, community and articles and I read about it and they, they talk about it uh, for adults as well because yeah. a lot of adults are, are starting to be open to understanding what it is, especially sometimes they don't realize they had it because, you know, in, back in their day, it wasn't very popular talking about that. No one knew what the heck it was. It was just a troublemaker in class. <laughs> yeah, no one knew what, you know, or a slow learner or uh, exactly a troublemaker that uh, just talk too much and move too much and whatever. So when their kids get it later on, then they realize that, oh, okay, there's something there. So I actually did research because I wanted to know if I had it because it said that it could have been hereditary. So I thought it's, it's interesting as we go through this because if you are an adult that, you know, think you may have ADHD, then you might, um, you might find yourself in these different uh, characteristics and stuff. So And uh, before you go on, a good way to know if you're not a bodily kinesthetic uh, smart person. Uh, if you were picked last in gym your whole life, chances are you're not very good at that. <laughs> like I was picked last in gym for a very long time, and uh, I no. When I read about that, I was like, "Yep, that's really not me." <laughs> <laughs> and I was the opposite. I was really good in gym. So. <laughs> okay, so I'll get through the um, characteristics of kinesthetic intelligence. So uh, they learn by doing. They are well-coordinated, uh, they're good with their hands, they enjoy sports, they seek excitement, they are very active, they are crafty. So all you people on Etsy, you know, doing your Etsy shops and building your business by making things yeah. and working with your hands, um, that's, uh, that's another uh, indication. Um, they are energetic, they enjoy the outdoors, and they are very athletic. So the possible careers mentioned for high kinesthetic intelligence would be actor, actress, uh, athlete, uh, carpenter, construction worker, farmer, firefighter, park ranger, mechanic, paramedic, physical therapist. So oftentimes we find these people more in what we call some some refer to uh, blue collar jobs. Or they like jobs working with their hands a work, lot. Exactly, with their hands. So yeah. that that makes us understand so you know i know there's a lot of negative um in the entrepreneurial world there's a lot of negative talk about uh you know blue collared people but it's not because they don't have your type of intelligence that we should you know uh discredit them or, or hey, think i know that. i know plumbers who are millionaires so it's like it's really not a <laughs> no but that that's what i'm saying you know yeah. when the discrimination comes with the intelligences, automatically people for many years couldn't decipher, couldn't explain it. But the white collar was considered the intelligent one. The blue collar one was considered the the dumb one that could only work with his hands. So yeah, but but when the white collar's car breaks down, guess who's the smart one then? 
Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, like there's, there's, you know, smarts and there's also people that are not very smart, but we're talking about the areas of intelligence. And some of these people are really, really good at working with their hands and have made uh, successful businesses and careers of doing just that. So, yeah. So basically what you're saying is it's not because you're working with your hands that you can't be an entrepreneur. Exactly. Yeah. And you can be a quite successful one at that. Number five, musical intelligence also known as music smart. Musical intelligence is the capacity to discern pitch, rhythm, timbre, and tone. This intelligence enables us to recognize, create, reproduce, and reflect on music as demonstrated by composers, conductors, musicians, vocalists, and sensitive listeners. Interestingly, there is often an effective connection between music and the emotions and mathematical and musical intelligences may share common thinking processes. Young adults with this kind of intelligence are usually singing or drumming to themselves. They're usually quite aware of sounds others may miss. Exactly. So a few characteristics of musical intelligence would be highly auditory, uh, they can memorize songs, they have good rhythm, they notice off-key notes, they enjoy different sounds, uh, they like to sing, they whistle, they tap their feet, they are talented with instruments, they are gifted at composing music, uh, they are sensitive to noise, and the possible careers for high uh, musical intelligence would be choir director, composer, conductor, disc jockey, music teacher, musician, record producer, singer, songwriter, studio technician. Yeah, just asked me and Elizabeth. She's She's got that going on. Uh, me, I, I can't even sing in tune one note. I flunked music in high school. I mean, can you imagine that I flunked music? That's, that's embarrassing. I'm embarrassing myself. I'm just going to go to the next one. <laughs> Number six, interpersonal intelligence, or commonly known as people smart. Interpersonal intelligence is the ability to understand and interact effectively with others. So they play well with others. It involves effective verbal and nonverbal communication, the ability to note distinctions among others, sensitivity to the moods and temperaments of others, and the ability to entertain multiple perspectives. Teachers, social workers, even actors and politicians all exhibit interpersonal intelligence. So people with this kind of intelligence are leaders among their peers. They are like leaders of people here, okay? They are good at communicating and seem to understand others' feelings and motives. Yeah, absolutely. So a few characteristics of interpersonal intelligence. They are extroverted. They enjoy social events. They love crowds. They are empathetic people. They enjoy teaching others. They have many friends, enjoy team sports. Uh, they counsel others. They love meeting new people. They are sensitive to others. So um, when you're in the marketing sales world, or in network marketing, this is the type of interpersonal intelligence, people smart person that you will notice. So most of these people that are have a very high percentage uh, of people smart, like you call this, 
um, are very, very good at sales. Yeah. So they have this natural ability to get to know people, to talk to them, to, you know, sell their product, to uh, really get in their heads and really get to know them. And they just love being around people and they can just go up to anybody that they don't know at all and just start a conversation. Yeah. So we've noticed that um, in in different uh, businesses that we've done in the past, how these people really, really do excel when it comes to marketing and sales. So if you're like that, then chances are that's one of your areas of strength and you're going to have a very successful business doing marketing and sales. So possible careers for high interpersonal intelligence would be, they wrote clergy, uh, counselor, diplomat, a politician, public relations, receptionist, sales agent, social worker, supervisor, and teacher. Number seven, intrapersonal intelligence, which is also known as self-smart. Intrapersonal intelligence is the capacity to understand oneself and one's thoughts and feelings and to use such knowledge in planning and directing one's life. Intrapersonal intelligence involves not only an appreciation of the self, but also of the human condition. It is evident in psychologists, spiritual leaders, and philosophers. These people may be shy, but they are very aware of their own feelings and they are self-motivated. A few characteristics of intrapersonal intelligence they are intuitive, they are self-aware, they spend time reflecting, uh, they like to learn about themselves, uh, reading books about you know, emotions and understanding how they, they function. Uh, they're very philosophical, they're independent, they enjoy journaling, uh, so spending time alone, writing, uh, they work well alone, they are usually introverted, uh, they're interested in self-employment. So oh, a lot so of them. So they make good entrepreneurs, huh? A lot of them are entrepreneurs doing their own thing. Surprise, uh, surprise, from, huh? Working from home. Because <laughs> <laughs> me, me and Liz just happened to be, uh, like we did the test and we rated quite high in that. So <laughs> just funny. So the possible careers for high interpersonal intelligence would be entrepreneur. Hello. Uh, historian. Inventor, librarian, philosopher, psychologist, scientist, theologian, and writer. That's my kind of people. <laughs> These are good people. <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> I think I'm biased. I think I'm biased. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to number eight now. Number eight, naturalist intelligence, also known as nature smart. Naturalist intelligence designates the human ability to discriminate among living things, plants, animals, as well as sensitivity to other features of the natural world, so clouds or rock configurations. It continues to be central in roles uh, today like botanist or chef, which is uh, highly surprising. When I read that, I thought, oh yeah, it's true. They they are good at making nature into more better things. <laughs> I like how a chef can put it in a plate and make it look really yummy. Anyway, it is also speculated that much of our consumer society exploits the naturalist intelligences, okay, by which they can they can be mobilized into discrimination among cars, sneakers, 
kinds of makeup and the like. So what does that mean? These people who have naturalist intelligence, they care about where things come from and what they're made of, how they are made and the impact they have on the environment. So I thought that was very interesting, especially since we live in a society that really more and more caters to that I, and, and makes it uh, makes such a big deal about it. The, the there's, nature there's and the, a huge the importance movement, of the environment, yeah. the green movement, every, exactly. So uh, basically, I don't know, is it the chicken or the egg, right? Is, is, is our society creating more uh, naturalistic intelligences or is are they coming out of their shell more because of how our society is? Right. So from a marketing perspective, um, because the, it's such a huge movement and there's so many people that are awakened to that, there are people that will definitely not buy a certain product if, uh, you know, they if it know... it was tested on animals. Or... It was tested on animals or that, you know, it, it, they know that a certain plant produces this and causes tons of pollution. Uh, that's why there's some people that really care about the environment that will prefer buying a car that's a hybrid that uh, doesn't consume as, as much gas and those electric cars and stuff. So um, through the years, uh, marketing, you know, marketing specialists have seen the movement and they have seen that people that are that are naturalist intelligent understand this and that's their target market. So. I think that from a marketing perspective, when you're in business, if you're working in a health and wellness niche and your company um, has very, very strong, uh, you know, um, uh, foundations of uh, green foundations and they're very natural and they pride themselves in the, the you know, the materials they use, that they're saving on energy, they're saving on on water, they're saving on all kinds of things. These are points that you need to mention mm. to uh, your clients, to your prospects, because there are people that are very strong in this uh, intelligence that yeah. it, it matter. It really does matter to them, and they will prefer buying a product for from you, knowing that your company is making the environment greener yeah. and healthier, and, and everything's I, I've better. Met, I've met people who turn down high-paying jobs during the interview because they ask key questions that for them were really important about the company right what do you do with this how do you recycle blah 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 mm -hmm. and because they didn't like the employer uh, the, the the response they got from the employer they just upped and leave and left mm -hmm. they just like no this is not for me <laughs> they turned down the job just because of that uh, and on the other hand there's types who really don't have that intelligence it reminds me of a joke i, I heard a, a radio host one day <laughs> he was talking about how he was so tired of going to the grocery shopping and always being asked at the end by the cashier, paper or plastic? So one day he was at the cash with his wife and the, the cashier goes, paper or plastic? And he goes like, hmm, that depends. Which one is more dangerous for the environment? And the cashier looked at him like weird and went like, well, plastic. And he went like, well, alrighty then, plastic it is. <laughs> and his wife wanted to kill him, but I just thought it was funny. I just wanted to pitch that in there. <laughs> yeah, so he was really fed up of the naturalist. But he, but he was not. He, he definitely didn't fit in that type of intelligence for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so the characteristics of a naturalistic uh, naturalist intelligence would be they notice natural patterns, they learn through natural contact, uh, they 
are upset by pollution, they are comfortable with animals, they are good at gardening, appreciate plants, appreciate scenic views, inspired by nature, enjoy outdoor activities, aware of weather changes. The possible careers of high naturalist intelligence would be animal trainers, breeders, farmers, uh, park rangers, geologists, um, landscapers, marine biologists, uh, veterinarians, zookeepers, uh, horticulturists. I'm sorry if I'm not Hort- saying Horticulture? It. Yeah, I don't know how to yeah, pronounce I that either. Yeah, I say in French, uh, horticulture. In horticulture. English, I have no idea. Yeah. Anyway, uh, hunters, uh, surprisingly... Well, yeah, because, I think we should, we should include those, right? Yeah, because, um, you know, they have the thrill of the hunt. Uh, the, they, they love nature. They love nature. They love being in nature. And uh, even if some of you might may be vegan and don't approve of you know eating meat, uh, those that do and that are hunters really love to be in nature and love animals, uh, but they love them to eat them, right? So they, <laughs> they, they love them they, to pieces. <laughs> yeah, they they love the meat that it provides, but you know that's a, that's a strong indication that they care about nature and there you go yeah no so i it, I, I think just it's just a different smart. angle but i think it's smart <laughs> to include hunters in that although it's not really a career but it could be some in some ways but uh yeah because they they all most hunters i've known they love nature and when i say love i mean they could spend their lives in nature that's how much they loved it mm. so obviously they had that kind of intelligence so even though Oh, they know Some everything might, about every oh, animal and everything in the, I, yeah, and that there is to it. And it, just they, they light up when they talk about it. So even though, yeah, they end up killing the animal in the end, that doesn't mean they don't have naturalistic intelligence. I thought we, we should make that distinction. Right. Number nine, existential intelligence. So I just want to uh, say here that um, Howard Gardner did not include it. Um, how can I put this? It was more like a, a fringe intelligence that he put initially. He had eight but when he put it out more and more he developed developed it without really officially adding it to the list but some people saw it and they went like we're gonna use it we're gonna run with it so whoever would uh, reproduce his content or share it would add it because and i think it's a it's smart to add it because absolutely i think existential intelligence should be there so number nine existential intelligence or also known as philosophical smart so people with existential intelligence have a sensitivity and capacity to tackle the big questions about human existence such as where we came from the meaning of life why we die and the chief end of man this intelligence may also be linked to the spiritual sphere where knowledge of the divine the paranormal and even mysticism come into play and i want to make a short parenthesis here you know we are a christian show and yes we do not endorse the new age and stuff like that but we're trying to differentiate between the different types of intelligences so yes obviously uh any kind of spirituality would be included in that even if it's not one that we might agree with okay so i just wanted to put that out there so so existential intelligence uh, involves individuals' ability to use collective values and intuition to understand others and the world around them. People who excel in this intelligence typically are able to see the big picture. Philosophers, theologians, and life coaches are among those that Gardner sees as having high existential intelligence. 
Right. So a few characteristics of existential intelligence would be reflective people. Uh, they think deeply. They um, enjoy abstract theories. They appreciate theories about human existence. They meditate or pray regularly. They are more religious or spiritual. They are inspired by the unseen. Uh, they do not shy away from deep conversations. They are not a adverse to thinking about the afterlife. I have a, I have a small uh, little anecdote here. Um, once I was uh, maybe 38 years old or something, and uh, I was at a table. We were at a family gathering, and I was with uh, two aunts who are older. They were about close to 80 years old, and uh, we were talking about death. And uh, I mentioned that I just so happened to think about death quite regularly. I don't know if it's because I'm Christian or whatnot. They, they weren't believers, by the way. Well, they were like more like deists. So they were not, Catholic. Yeah, they were Catholic deists. And specified, he, not thinking death, like I'm going to die, but like the what afterlife. happens after we die. And, you yeah, know, the, the questions know, but, Christians but the, but the question, ask ourselves. But the question at that time was more like uh, thinking about my own death. How's it going to happen? How am I going to die? How, when am I going to die? Or, you know, and, and trying to, picture myself how I would face to that reality when it comes and they were 80 year old women and they looked at me like I was coming from Mars or something and they said you think about death you're 38 years old and I was like uh yeah and they said I never thought about that I mean I just started like five years ago I'm like what like I couldn't I couldn't even conceive that they never thought about it because it's such a big part of our lives. <laughs> I mean, that's where we're all going. And to me, it made no sense. But, you know, looking back and when I when I read the existential intelligence thing, it made me see, you know what? It's not everybody's bent, obviously, because these ladies said they lived their whole life basically not thinking about death. And I thought about it quite regularly. I mean, I wasn't obsessed with it by any means, but I, I thought about it. Yeah, so the the like we were saying, the philosophical person will meditate and think about all kinds of things that have to do with the unseen and the afterlife, and um, and that's just something we we all I guess we're more prone to thinking about it being Christians because uh, in church we bring up these topics, right? So it, it, those that don't think about it, it kind of forces them to start thinking about it. So, and it can scare them sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Some people, some people are so not bent towards that that when you do start to tackle these big questions, they're gonna like shy away from it and go like, "No, nah, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this," and they kind of freak out or something. They're like, "You, they, you feel like you offended them or something." Yeah, I, I've known a lot of people like that that live in the now. That's what I call it. So they they live day by day every day, and they don't think about what's gonna happen in six months and a year from now. They don't. Uh, they don't think about things like that. So, uh, like we mentioned earlier, you know, there's people like if you're, you know, talking to others about God, well, people that are inclined to spirituality, even if it's not the spirituality that we um, practice as Christian, as Christians, some people are into meditation, uh, they practice yoga, they do things like that, trying to get closer to a spirituality. These oftentimes are people that are more open to Christianity because they are searching. They are searching to to figure out what's what's out there and what where is God and if there is a God. And it's all actually that. surprising. Yeah, I, I've had some interesting conversations with New Agers who were more open to Christianity than most 
atheists would be, you know. Yeah, and sometimes it's easier to convert them because of that, because they're more open and they're basically searching for answers. And um, the New Age movement has become so big that a lot of people just don't even think twice about Christianity. They just move into that movement. So the possible careers for high existential intelligence would be theologians, uh, like we said, people that are into yoga, yoga instructors, uh, medita- uh, people that are teaching meditation. Um, obviously, we don't approve of these. Yeah, we're not. We're just going down the list. We're not endorsing these careers, by the way, and we're not telling you guys to pursue that. <laughs> we're just going down the list, okay? Exactly. So just so that you can notice them. And yeah. Like I said. And maybe categorize them a bit more. And Exactly. And if you're somebody that really has... Um, you know, that really has at heart to talk to others about God and you, you want to convert people and bring them to Christianity, then you, you can try these places because oftentimes these people are open to hearing about what and you I, have to say. And I knew a pastor who had a real calling to talk to New Agers and he would go to um, um, esoteric um expositions and he would he would just like go from table to table and just like share the gospel there because he he really wanted to connect with these people Mm -hmm. and some are pastoral uh, counselors some are chaplains some are public speakers some are philosophers some are uh, part of a a clergy so all these different um, careers are all people that have philosophical smarts yeah and obviously like christians uh, I think because we have the Holy Spirit, it might open up your existential intelligence to some degree because there's a yeah. mystical aspect to this intelligence that the others don't have. Mm-hmm. So the spiritual, myst- more mystical aspect, uh, of course, through the workings of the Holy Spirit, can, I would say, gives most Christians uh, a higher existential intelligence than the regular folks out there. Exactly. And I think that's a given. Yeah. So we, hey, we did it. We went through nine. Yes, so we hope that this helps you to understand the different types of intelligences so that uh, you can, uh, you know, use them in the workplace. You can understand them uh, when you're having conversations. Uh, Hopefully this makes you also feel smarter (laughs) in uh, the area of intelligence that you do fit in. And like we said, uh, we do have a resource for you. So if you go to our site, thrivingonpurpose.com, and uh, you click on this uh, podcast episode 10, uh, there will be a a resource for you with all the show notes, um, with the study that we did. So if you want to teach it to uh, or give a course on it. Yeah, it's a valuable resource for that. If you want to share it as a a course like Liz uh, just said. Exactly. And uh, you can go deeper. There's also going to be a link to a test that you can do like uh, like we mentioned, we both did a test and we saw that uh, there's there's more than one test. There's the nine um, types of intelligences, but there's also the different types of, of way that you learn. So the different learning. Uh, it was an excellent test. Yeah, it was really the different thorough. ways that we do learn. And so all these uh, really helped me as well to understand where my areas of strengths are. I actually found this a better uh, test than other tests that I've do- done um, I've done uh, Finding Your Strengths. I forget the name exactly. I had uh, done that years ago. And there's another one that I had done also uh, that was more entrepreneurial, that was recommended. And it was based... You had to pay for it, too. Yeah, you had to pay for it. And I fig- I found out only later that it was based on uh, Chinese um, 
Chinese uh, philosophies and stuff. And it didn't, honestly, it did not help me because it me was, either. because it, they, they basically boiled down people to four categories and it was really hard to understand. Like we had difference, like we had some of this and some of that. And it was so confusing that at the end of the test, I said, okay, we paid for this. And yeah. honestly, like I didn't understand more. I didn't understand my strengths. It was very confusing because they put me in a category based on certain questions that I answered that wasn't really uh, my area of strength. Mm. So it was just a few things that I mentioned that I answered. So this is why I'm saying uh, this test is even, free, first of all. It's free. And we'll put it in the resource section. So when you go download the resource, you'll be able to have the link to do the, the test that, that is free. Yeah. And you'll really see a percentage of the, your strengths and what category. And it'll help you to get to know yourself better. Yeah. And also, I found this was a really good study because it helped me understand uh, the kinesthetic learner. Uh, his type of intelligence. So for my son that has ADHD, it helped me understand a little more in depth of how he learns and how uh, what he likes. And then all of the things that I knew about Jason so far, because he's only nine, kind of came came in my head and kind of made more sense, yeah. right? And how I'm supposed to teach him and how he's learning. And, um, you know, so I hope that this helps you. So share the podcast with uh, people that you know will benefit from it. And uh, you can go on thrivingonpurpose.com on the front page. You can sign up to have the latest episodes. So we'll send you that straight to your inbox. And uh, you'll also get the resources um, if you click on the podcast episode itself click on the show notes and we'll have the resource waiting for you yeah downloadable pdf format <laughs> exactly so this concludes the 10th episode we wish you a great week and see you next week so thanks for listening be blessed and thrive on thanks for listening to the thriving on purpose podcast be sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com to access the show notes and to discover more fantastic content. Until next time, be blessed and may you thrive on purpose.